Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Misutani here on September 15th. Thursday, we are now just a few days out from Minnesota's Monday night showdown in Philadelphia. Two 1-0 teams. Dane, this is, looks like a big game shaping up on a big stage. Um, and frankly, I don't know if the vibes could be any better for Minnesota heading into this. Like, it's kind of a plant your flag NFC, establish yourself as a top tier team. And I don't know if Minnesota could be feeling much better than they are right now. No, I think from the moment the season started to right now, like things couldn't have gone better. Like you you come out on last Sunday in America's game of the week, take down your biggest rival in the Green Bay Packers. And then everything we've seen since then, like We've talked about smiles per game time and time again on this podcast. It's like smiles per day with the Vikings right now. I just like you see some of these clips that are going around the Internet um, and we'll get into the Kirk Cousins speech that, you know, the postgame speech where he gave Kevin O'Connell and Quasey each a game ball. But there was a clip yesterday that went viral on Twitter last night. Um, I, I think I don't really understand the backstory totally, but it, it looks like Nickelodeon is giving away like a most valuable player of each week. It's a weird, cheesy accolade, but it looks like a weekly accolade. And, and obviously, Justin Jefferson with his seven catches for 184 yards and two touchdowns seemed to win Nickelodeon's most valuable player of the week. And so the Vikings. Hey, he said he was yesterday. honored to win that. OK, don't act like it's cheesy. He, that he, meant a lot said, to him. He said, I still watch. <laughs> like, 
Maybe he does still watch Nickelodeon. SpongeBob. I bet he does. watches the old cartoons, like most of us. Like, like hey, they have like, yeah, exactly. You know, like Rocket Power or Doug. I don't know if Doug was Nickelodeon. <laughs> uh, Doug was Nickelodeon. Was. Yeah. Okay, you said the ones I watched. Hey Arnold was the best one. It was. The we, best we, one. we digress, but it, it was it was a funny thing and like a social clip that like is obviously designed by the Vikings to to like paint their team in a good light. But I thought that the the coolest thing of it, and I actually want to. We're, we're recording this Thursday morning. We're talking to Kevin O'Connell this afternoon. Like I kind of want to ask him about this, but he after giving about Justin Nickelodeon, Jefferson, yeah, which one's his favorite one? Maybe he was well, yeah. a Rugrats guy. Yeah, he's he's about our age, so a little older yeah. than us. So, but after giving Justin Jefferson this Nickelodeon award, God, I didn't think we'd be talking about Nickelodeon so much on this podcast ever. Uh, he Kevin O'Connell addresses the team and says, "You know, we're going to go into the middle of these two practice fields, and anytime one of y'all win this award, I'm going to be the one that gets slimed." Because Nickelodeon gives you a bucket of slime where you get to slime somebody. Like that's Justin right. Jefferson's award. Mm-hmm. Like he gets to slime somebody. Right. Yeah, I think he gets like this little like trophy looking thing. Yeah. And, and then they got these fake slime. slime hats too that Justin Jefferson right. was wearing. And anyone who's listening who used to watch Nickelodeon will understand how, how getting slimed was a big deal. Anyone who's listening who didn't has absolutely no idea what we're talking about. But the point is, he gets this bucket of slime, Justin Jefferson does for winning this award, and he slimes Kevin O'Connell. And again, it's a moment put out by the team Twitter account designed to make the team, the coach, the players all look, you know, good, happy, whatever. But you just never would have seen that last year with Mike Zimmer. And and it's it's little things like this and that I think make a difference. I, I don't want to put like, okay, the Vikings are Super Bowl favorites now because Kevin O'Connell is willing to get slimed. But I think like little things like this, our further proof that like things are different here in Minnesota. There's, there's some joy back in the building. Um, and I think some of those things making players feel comfortable, ma- making players, you know, want to be at work do end up on the field on game day. You don't think Zimmer would have got into that. I could picture like Justin Jefferson wins week one and Zimmer makes a proclamation like, Hey, whoever wins this thing, every time we're going to slime Kirk. <laughs> We're going to slime Rick. Rick's going to come down from his ivory tower. And anytime y'all, in fact, Rick doesn't even, just go up to Rick's office right now and slime him without him knowing. No, I don't think Zimmer would have been involved. Seats back to back, Kirk and Rick and Zimmer would have been, give me that bucket. And he would have slimed them both every time. Everybody would have got way into it. Yeah, it would have been great. Uh, No, I'm with you. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, like, he seems to be really going out of his way to like, try to connect with these guys. Um, it seems like it's worked to a large degree and he's keeping it rolling. And now we've always talked about, okay, yeah, the vibes are great. You're one and oh, you beat green Bay. Uh, how do the vibes come out? If you lose this game, how do the vibes come out? If you go one and two, um, cause that's when it really gets tested. But right now, like I, I think Minnesota is on a, a pretty big high and it's just seeing like, how can they continue to use that as positive momentum and not a reason to kind of like sit back um, and, and be happy with what they've done. Uh, but you talked about, um, you know, O'Connell and, and the good vibes. And I think we've talked about how that's extended to Kirk Cousins and maybe made him look more comfortable in week one. Um, and that was kind of the goal, I think, for the Vikings this season. Like, let's put Kirk in the best position to succeed. Let's make him as confident and comfortable as possible. 
do you, I mean, good results week one. Do you notice like a, a palpable difference in Kirk Cousins just being kind of around him uh, thus far this season? Yeah, and I think the game itself was obviously like a good precursor of, of things to come. If, if Kirk can play like he did on Sunday 16 more times, the Vikings are going to be in a really good position. But I think little things like looking at him post-game, watching his post-game press conference, he's still not saying a lot. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is like the poster child for like each game is its own entity. Like we can't read too much into this. Um, all of those cliches. But there's something about him on Sunday that was it was a little unspoken. Just watching him interact, he looked more comfortable. And he looked like sometimes in the past when he would either win or lose a game, regardless of how well he played, it almost felt like he was trying to defend himself at every single turn. And I think a lot of that comes like from the fact that for the longest time, Kirk Cousins has been this guy who has always had to prove himself, has, has, has never been good enough. So I think he always takes that as a as a chance to, to prove himself and, and to kind of defend his honor in a way. But you, you watched him on Sunday in, in the way he spoke, and he just looked so comfortable doing it. Re- regardless of what was being asked, it was more of a conversation, felt less like an interview. And, and then you see that clip that comes out of, of Kirk Cousins giving the game ball one to Kevin O'Connell, one to Quasia Dofamensa. The speech in that clip s- sounded natural too. Like I think in the past we've we've talked about different guys throughout this market who it, it looks like they're putting on like this leadership mask, like it doesn't look natural. And Kirk Cousins has been guilty of that a number of times since he's gotten to Minnesota, where a clip will come out, he'll be given a pregame speech, and you'll be like, that that just sounds so corny, or like there's no way he talks like that. Regardless of how you felt about the speech that that went around on Twitter, it it felt natural and and it felt natural in that moment. And I think that matters too. Like he feels like this is his team. I think Kevin O'Connell's done a a good job empowering him so far. Now, to your point earlier, it, it, the big test will be: Look, the Vikings aren't going to go seventeen and zero. Like how do how do these guys handle failure? How do they handle week to week failure when when it doesn't all go right? Because it's easy right now when it when it's all going right. Um, that will be an interesting thing to watch transpire. But I think early takeaways from the first week of the season are like the vibes are good. Everyone looks comfortable. Kirk Cousins at the top of that list. How could you not be comfortable in that polo that he wore post game? I want to see. I'm a, I'm actually kind of interested now. Like maybe this can start like a Kirk Cousins fashion trend because that polo. I don't know where you would find that. Um, maybe like Fleet Farm. Like if they have like a limited polo section. D- Duluth Duluth Trading Company. Yeah, that might be a good one. Uh, <laughs> Like it's, it, it was definitely like a, you know, 40 year old dad on Sunday who's going to grill out um, before the football game. But where's that thing I, at church? I, I, t- I talked, I was talking to a friend about this off the podcast. Like it looked like something you would wear as a middle schooler to a church bonfire. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. Like you're like in your mom put it out for like, you. You know? Yeah. Right. You're like, I don't want to wear this mom. Well, too bad. It looks nice, honey. Like button it up and you're going to go like, like you saw some of the, like Zadarius Smith was decked out in like this fly ass suit with, with chains and ice. And Justin Jefferson had this like jet necklace on. And then Kirk cousins comes with like khakis and a button up, <laughs> like a flannel short sleeve button up. But comfortable in his own skin. 
I definitely have a polo that would fit into that category that I've wore before. So, so do gonna, I, Jace. Yeah, you know, we all do. <laughs> we I... might not wear it to a press conference podium, but like, hey, it's it's Christmas. It's not church. You're just going to grandma's house. You're like, I should wear probably something with a collar that looks okay. Like that fits in just perfectly. So I and that's where you're comfortable um, in that type of like, you know, casual attire. So I get it. Um, and that's something that a comfortable man wears. Um, a little bit more, I guess. Let's let's just talk a little bit more about this offense. Um, and I guess what I want to see now from Kirk is like, okay, we saw the way this offense succeeds when Justin Jefferson is screaming over the middle of the field wide open. Do you anticipate maybe mixing in more guys? Like, do you think we see more KJ Osborne, more Adam Thielen, more spreading the ball around? Just like say the Eagles make a concerted effort uh, to take Justin Jefferson out of the game. And you can't do that. You're not going to mitigate, like negate him down to nothing, but you know, maybe they limit Justin Jefferson to 90 yards. Well, then you've got to find something elsewhere. Uh, do you think Kirk and this offense is going to be capable of doing that on a week-to-week basis using other weapons? Because it didn't really happen in week one. And this is because Justin Jefferson was great. But to everybody else, he was 14 for 21 for 93 yards, which would, mm-hmm. you know, not be great. But not, like, that's because Justin Jefferson dominated. But do you feel like should push comes to shove Monday night um, that Kirk can be just as good throwing to the Thielens and the Osbournes of the world? I think so, just because like he's shown the ability to do that in the past, right? Like there were times last year and, and even the season before where people were shaking Kirk, being like, throw the ball to Jefferson more. You're locking in too much on 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 Adam Thielen. You're locking in too much on on your third receiver. Like, why are you throwing to Laquan Treadwell on third down? Like, I know that's your read, but like don't let yourself get there. Throw it to Justin Jefferson. So like I think if Kirk has to progress and and go through his full progression. Like he's very capable of getting others involved. I think the product on Sunday was, well, I don't need to get to my third read, which is KJ Osborne bending over the middle because I'm going to step up in this pocket and Green Bay totally lost Justin Jefferson again. So I, I think when teams make a concerted effort or I understand the Vikings moved Justin Jefferson around the formation, and that's why Jair Alexander didn't follow him and shadow him. But if teams have a corner like a Darius Slay coming up this on Monday night, like that want to shadow Justin Jefferson and, and maybe try and take him away. Yeah. I think Kirk cousins is more than capable of getting Adam Thielen involved. I think me and you both have talked about KJ Osborne and the ascension we think he's going to make this season. I think he's a guy who could who could play a big role in this offense. So I, I think just because Justin Jefferson dominated week one and, and was so, so good doesn't mean we'll have, have these other weapons on the offense taken a step back. There was just no reason, right, for that for them to get the ball when, when one guy was dominating to that degree. One thing I thought was interesting, though, is, like, for all the credit Justin Jefferson gets, and, like, he deserves it, obviously. He's He's spectacular. He's dynamic. Like a lot of those routes don't work if Adam Thielen isn't running his route to perfection. If KJ Osborne isn't running, you know, knowingly I'm not getting this ball, isn't running his nine route 100%. Like I think Nate Tice for The Athletic did a good breakdown of like how this route combinations, how these route combinations come together. And they don't unless everyone is running their route, unless the scheme is designed perfectly. So I think just because Justin Jefferson was the beneficiary of some of these things doesn't mean another guy can't be moving forward. It was 
watching good morning football i watch a lot of good morning football it's kind of like it's the perfect morning show if you just want to watch football it's, it's very good like upbeat whatever um so i highly recommend it uh but anyway aj brown was on this week eagles wide receiver and they asked about justin jefferson because obviously these two are going to match up here not face to face but on the same field uh and aj brown was like oh yeah he's great he's great he's great he's like i was watching uh the game last week and you know he's just just kind of running routes uh get open and that was exactly how it played out it was my exact thought as we watched that game was like just kind of running the routes like <laughs> you know like there was there are very few like look at how justin jefferson cooked this guy here is like just kind of running across the middle of the field and just being <laughs> you know like, like that could have been just about anybody he definitely finished the like you know we talk about finishing the plays and he was great at that but otherwise there was there wasn't a whole ton of like oh my god i can't believe justin jefferson did that like i mentioned the high point catch and that was huge but a lot of them were just like yeah 36 yards there because you know it just it kind of was wide open running across the middle of the field so that it's all concept and you're right the credit goes to everybody on those yeah, I think that those are funny when you look at it. Like, there was one route where he he broke someone off, but the other ones, like, it was like, hey, Justin, go to the left sideline and just run diagonally to the right sideline, and and you're going to be open. And, and he was like, all right, well, and, and it worked time and time again. I don't think it's going to work all the time this season. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Um, luckily for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson is capable of winning in, in difficult ways as well. It, just because it looked easy on Sunday doesn't mean he's not capable of winning when it looks hard moving forward. Uh, I'm interested this week, though, to, to see, you know, how he performs against a, a, an Eagles defense that, frankly, gave up 35 points to the Lions or whatever it just was. So I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I think the Vikings are capable of, of staying in those high-scoring games, though. Yeah, we'll touch a little bit more on this because I want to do do want to talk a little bit more about the offense versus the defense here in this next segment. We'll also get into the Vikings defense against uh, that Eagles offense that Jalen Hurts led offense with A.J. Brown now added to the mix. We'll get to a mailbag in segment three, um, also the Purple Prop Party. Lots more to come here on Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Jace Frederick, Damian Zutani here previewing Vikings-Eagles, the Monday night showdown between two 1-0 NFC teams. Dane, let's kind of continue carrying forward this conversation about Vikings offense, Philly defense. You just mentioned Philly gave up a lot of points to Detroit in week one, 35 to be exact. What what do you like about this Eagles defense? Maybe where do you think the Vikings can exploit them? I think you can just exploit them kind of all over like Detroit is pretty good. Like I, I think Detroit, the lions are a little underrated as far as their offense goes. So it's not like 
the Philadelphia Eagles just gave up 35 points to a bunch of scrubs. Like just because the Lions have been really bad for like the last forever doesn't mean like they're like this team that they have constructed now has some weapons, but there are holes all over this Eagles defense. I know Darius Slay is really, really good. A good corner. He's not as good as he used to be. And, and if after that, like the Eagles defense kind of leaves a lot to be desired. So I think kind of going back to what we talked about in segment one, even if Darius Slay is, is annoying Justin Jefferson, because I don't think he's going to take him away. I don't think anyone is capable of taking Justin Jefferson fully away. But if he's annoying Justin Jefferson, who's covering Adam Thielen? Who's covering KJ Osborne? There, there's going to be openings on this this the field on Monday night for these pass catchers. I think a guy like Dalvin Cook could have a pretty big game. Like I, I know the Eagles have some stout guys up front, but I think when you're running Dalvin cook in, in different ways, letting him kind of pick these holes in the, in that zone scheme, like there, there's going to be things that open up. So I think there, there's a lot of opportunities for this offense that just put up 23 points against green Bay, only six points in the second half. I think you could see some continued ascension this week against a defense that is okay, but, but not great. Yeah, um, I think I think a little more highly of it than you do. Um, they have Darius Slay. They also have James Bradbury, who's been a really good corner in this league as well. So there, there are some corner options, some secondary guys. But the Vikings, I'm sure, will try to move around Jefferson and get him even off of either of those guys, um, for sure, off of Slay. And it, probably successfully, because like teams, it's just difficult to have guys kind of run with Justin Jefferson as he motions all the way across the field. And as far as like the run defense goes, the Eagles definitely got gashed uh, by DeAndre Swift, particularly and in week one. And I think that that looks like something where the Vikings could have success running the ball. Like you mentioned with Dalvin cook, I will say like they've got Fletcher Cox. who We'll talk about later. And then they also have Jordan Davis, that first round pick out of Georgia. And an interesting stat that I saw just kind of cursory, you know, glancing around Twitter, seeing like what Eagles fans or Eagles reporters are saying. Jordan Davis didn't play a ton of snaps in week one. And I think that might have been kind of, you know, working in a rookie. Um, but his PFF grade, it was the top one among all rookie defensive linemen. And when he was on the field, the Eagles averaged just 2.9 yards per carry allowed. When he was not on the field, that number ballooned to 10. Uh, so... <laughs> I think like as you know, the Eagles coaches will probably see that they'll probably say, okay, like maybe we start working this guy in more now into week two. If they see more Jordan Davis, now you've got Jordan Davis, now you've got Fletcher Cox. That's a pretty fierce interior defensive line Um, that paired with the secondary. I do think that the Eagles in a couple ways can make things difficult for Minnesota. Um, I think it's just important as Minnesota did week one. Can you stay balanced? Can you kind of control the narrative of each drive um, and what you want to do and make it not clear? Like, are you running? Are you passing? Mix it up. uh, Keep yourself in favorable situations. If whenever they can do that, we saw that last week, I think they will succeed at a pretty good rate and maintain control. Um, They just can't be put in spots, I think, where, you know, they're down to one option. Um, And it's just all pass all the time, whatever the case may be. So I'm always a big like for the Vikings. I think it's going to be pretty big to get ahead in games um, and not put yourself in positions where, you have to throw when teams know what's coming for you. So if they can follow the same script all year. Um, you know, I think they'll have success against anybody. Um, but I do think that if the script gets negative, then maybe Philadelphia has some pieces to make life difficult for Minnesota. Uh, go to the other side of the ball. Um, we've got the Eagles. We've got this Jalen Hurts led offense. I've seen so much debate on this. Like Jalen Hurts is one of those guys where he's a great fantasy quarterback. So people love him for that perspective. 
how about an NFL quarterback? Because he did lead the Eagles to the playoffs last year. I want to give him that. Um, and he certainly is like a very dynamic player. How do you view him? Because we're always kind of looking at franchise quarterbacks and discussing what is and isn't, um, and especially in this market with Kirk Cousins. How do you view Jalen Hurts? Where does he kind of belong in that discussion in your mind? I don't think he is a franchise quarterback. Like, I think he's a good fantasy quarterback. And I think a lot of times people who play fantasy football equate that to being like, oh, he's really good. He's not. He almost got benched for Gardner Minshew last year. Kind of like that's a little bit of an overreaction. Like he, like it was Jalen Hurts team and he did lead the Eagles to the playoffs, but there were, there were times last year where it was like, wow, Jalen Hurts cannot complete a pass. Like should do, do we need to put in Gardner Minshew? And that's an indictment on, on you as a quarterback last year, Jalen Hurts. He only completed 61.3% of his passes, 26th in the NFL. That number is up leaps and bounds ahead of, of, of what he completed as a rookie. I only only started four games as a rookie played 15 though, 52%. Like he he's not accurate. He can't complete. He can't make the easy throws. And I think that is, is something that kind of takes a quarterback, like a quarterback with a lot of potential. If they can't make the easy throws, it, it kind of falls by the wayside. Like the, Jalen hurts has a strong arm. There are times where you can see him, you let it rip downfield and you're like, okay, he can throw a deep ball. But like there are these intermediate routes that he struggles like very much with. And I think adding a guy like AJ Brown to the fold, we saw what he did on, on Sunday. I'm just not sure that how that makes me feel about Jalen hurts as a whole. I think giving him th those weapons and additional weapon in AJ Brown, obviously Devonte Smith had zero catches on Sunday, but I think he's another guy that, that Jalen Hurts has some familiarity with from their time at Alabama. Like they're doing everything they can to put him in a position to succeed. I just don't know if I trust him. Like, I don't know if I think he's this fantasy, this, this franchise quarterback of the future for the Eagles. And I think we'll see that play out. Um, he only completed like 56% of his passes on, on Sunday as well. So there's a lot that needs to improve. Um, the biggest thing with, with Jalen Hurts, and we'll get into this in, his, in the next segment, is is his ability with his legs. He puts a lot of pressure on the defense that way. Um, but I don't think that's enough. I don't think I think you need that at some point to be able to be accurate and throw the football and deliver them to these intermediate routes with regularity, with success. It's something he struggled with now entering in year three of his of his NFL career. Yeah, um, I think that Jalen Hurts is a quarterback that you can win a lot of regular season games with. And if and if the definition of franchise quarterback is can you win the Super Bowl with them? Well, then I don't know if the Vikings have one. Um, I don't know if a lot of teams have one, frankly, because there it feels like there's a handful of quarterbacks who you can say like, yeah, you can win the Super Bowl with that guy, maybe ten tops. Um, and Jalen Hurts, I'm not putting in that basket. I never would do that. But I do think as far as like competing to win divisions, uh, competing to go to the playoffs, uh, all these types of things, I think Jalen Hurts is in that group because you can do so many different things with him. Yeah, it's not going to be your traditional offense. Um, it's going to be, hey, he is dynamic in the passing game because he can also be that threat to run. So he's another person that the defense has to account for when he drops back. Um, you can do a lot of design runs with him. I think they have a pretty dynamic rushing game because – you know, like you can go with the read option. Um, and and then he also like, you know, like he hyper targeted AJ Brown and, and beat the, the Lions that way too. So like even if you're not great at tr the traditional things, 
when you can add other elements to it, it just makes life really hard for the defense, especially when you have one week to, to among 17 uh, to scheme for it. It's a different challenge. So I think I think the Eagles will win a lot of games this year. I, you know, obviously they made the playoffs last year. I, I think they'll be a playoff team this year. And, and Jalen Hurts is a big part of that to a large degree. And and like what's going to be interesting is like the Vikings had struggled with running quarterbacks in the past. A lot of teams had. And, and, and we'll see now, like, OK, how does this group plan for a, a plan for that how do they try to negate it and we'll talk a lot about that the Eagles did run the ball really well last week um and Mm -hmm. you know that was Jalen Hurts that was Miles Sanders literally they had four players score rushing touchdowns Boston Scott Kenny Gainwell uh, Miles Sanders Jalen Hurts the Vikings we talked about it we weren't overly concerned with Green Bay's second half rushing production last week but it still happened and in some degree it still was a continuance of of the rushing defenses struggles last year um so how do you see that one shaping up this time around? Eagles run game. Can Minnesota slow it down? I think we're going to get to see, like, we didn't really understand what we had last week, right? Because we talked about, like, Green Bay was behind all game. The one possession where they did gas Minnesota, it, it, it seemed like Minnesota was content to let them take these eight-yard runs and bleed the clock dry. I think we'll know a lot more uh, when we leave Monday night because – as dynamic as Jalen Hurts is from the quarterback position, I think this game is going to be decided on the Vikings' ability to stop the run. That's to stop Jalen Hurts running the ball, but also to stop Miles Sanders running the ball. Maybe Miles Sanders found something. Like, I, I, like there was he's he's been this guy since he got into the league where you're like, this guy's super talented. I don't know why he's not producing. And I think he had like 117 yards rushing on only 13 carries last week. 96. So like his, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why I thought 117. Did he maybe have like was that all? Was that all game. was that all total? Yeah, maybe that's all purpose. Whatever. But he's he's one of way that's purpose. Okay, so like just made that number up straight up. You did, out, out yeah, of correct, yeah. Well, maybe he'll have 117 rushing yards this premonition on 13 years. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what I was thinking. I actually live in the future. Either way, 13 carries, 96 yards. That, that's a that's a very good yards per carry average, and I think it shows that the Vikings are gonna are gonna be tested this week. Um, a lot of the the metrics up front were were kind to to the Vikings. I think Dalvin Tomlinson had a, a top five PFF pass rushing grade uh, last week against the Packers. We'll see how the, this team looks in, in 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 run defense this week against the Eagles. You have a guy like Harrison Phillips who was brought in to be this nose tackle run stuffer. He's gonna a lot is gonna fall on his shoulders this week. We'll see how Dalvin Tomlinson looks rushing the passer, making Jalen Hurts uncomfortable, but also filling in, in in these run gaps. We'll see Jordan Hicks led the team in tackles this week. I think he's gonna have to play sideline to sideline keeping an eye on Jalen Hurts, but also b- being able to fill these holes that, that Miles Sanders or Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell are running through. The Vikings are going to be tested this week, the run defense in particular. So uh, I think that's where the game is going to be decided. I think the Vikings are obviously going to be able to score with the Eagles, like we talked about last segment and early in this one. Uh, can they stop them? Um, I think if, if they can stop them on the ground and bother them, um, they're going to be in a good in good position. But it's, it's going to be a bigger test this week. A way bigger test, I think, in my mind, Um, because we talk about Green Bay and like we mentioned, I don't know if it could get mentioned enough that like their two projected starting tackles were out 
they were they did not play in the game um, and they are two of their most veteran and maybe just their best offensive linemen. So it was kind of a, a makeshift offensive line for Green Bay um, and Green Bay, even at like at full strength, I don't think it's as good as this Eagles offensive line. I mean, you look at like like pro football focus, you know, in the offseason grades, offensive lines. Uh, guess where the Eagles came in in June? Number one. <laughs> like they, they they literally have there's not like a below average starter on the offensive line they are great all the way around um so now like okay now you have this it is like light years better than what green bay put out last week so ken Darius smith daniel hunter uh dalvin tomlinson can they still wreak havoc in the passing game um can they can they still get home a lot can it still feel like the quarterback's kind of under duress or are we going to see you know jalen hurts have plenty of time um uh, and frankly like AJ Brown is so much better than anything Green Bay. Like he is five times the receiver that Green Bay put out last week. So is Patrick Peterson going to be able to cover him? Um, are they going to have to shade a ton of coverage over there? So now is somebody going to have to, you know, is Cam Dancer going to have to guard Devonta Smith on an island? I don't love that either if Minnesota's not getting home. The defensive line was such a massive piece of Minnesota's success last week. And if it is successful this week, I will say, wow, that is one of the best units in football um, if they can wreak havoc on Philly. Uh, but I, I don't know because this is this is like a supreme group that Minnesota is going to have to try to get home against, and that's not going to be easy because it's not easy getting home on Hurts even when you get there because you know he can get in and out of things. Uh, so as much as silly as it sounds to say, like it's a Jalen Hurts led offense versus an Aaron Rodgers led offense, Philly I think is a significantly more difficult test as constructed right now given health situations. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's a good point. Like even if you get home. You might not because th- th- there's times when you're playing a guy like Jalen Hurts, and this is a pretty good tease for what we'll talk about next segment. But you get home, and and he makes he puts his foot in the ground, he extends the play, and then it's a it's a big chunk play for for the Eagles' offense. So th- th- there's a lot of things that working against the Vikings this week, and uh, you know on that same side of the coin, if you can walk away from this feeling like wow the Vikings did a good job holding the Eagles in check. Like then we're talking, how good can this defense be? Are they are they capable of being a top ten defense? I know that was something me and you kind of went back and forth about leading into this season. All indications early are that they're pretty good, but that's an incomplete grade because, like you said, the Green Bay was far from full strength. This will be a much bigger test this week, so I'm interested to see how they look Monday night. If they slow down Philly to, you know, to reasonable numbers, like I'm not going to put a number on it, but like the eye test, if it looks like Minnesota holds its own um, and, and kind of controls the game the way they did against Green Bay, I will be, I will be on board as a full unbeliever of, Hey, this defense is really good. Um, I'm not there yet because of the reasons we talked about with Green Bay. uh, But this is this is the measuring stick in my mind. All right, we'll head into segment three. Uh, we're going to get to some mailbag questions. We will do the purple prop party. Um, I'll come in up here after the break. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani on Odyssey's Vikings podcast, talking all things Vikings-Eagles ahead of their week two Monday night showdown. Follow, like, subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you get all of our commentary on Minnesota throughout the season. We will be back um, either Monday, late Monday night, Tuesday morning uh, with, with the episode breaking down, whatever transpires on Monday night. We will have our picks later on in this segment. We will have our prop picks, game picks, all of that. First, we're going to get to a couple mailbag questions. Um, Dan, any particular one that you would like to start with? Yeah, and just want to say shout out to, to the, the few people that did respond. I know when me and Jace put out this call on Twitter, 
um, asking for replies, DMs, emails. Weren't sure what the response rate was going to look like, so appreciate the people, the handful of people that did respond. We'll get to Corey Hermanson first, at Corey Hermanson on Twitter. Um, he was the first one to reply, so he should be the first one we, we talk about. Question is, do you think Jalen Rieger will work his way into the offense, or will he just be a returner? What do you think? I don't see any way that he's working his way into this offense. Uh, just because, like, the Vikings, sure, like, there are some four wide receiver sets, but it's pretty rare. This is a team that I think they went, like, 84% of their passing plays came out of 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end uh, this last week. Um, and I think that's going to be pretty consistent, if not going up. Um, and that other personnel is usually not four wide receiver sets. We would see in a game where Minnesota's down 20 in the fourth quarter, maybe. Uh, but, like, it, I there's no way in my mind that he is cracking a – KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen rotation there at the wide receiver spot, like maybe a rep here or there. Um, I, I think he's going to be a piece that you kind of forget that he's even an option in the receiving core. And then he's going to have like, you know, maybe like a 10 catch season. Um, I don't see him cracking this whatsoever. I don't see a place for it, let alone uh, the track record of just not being very good at that position. Yeah, I think that's probably where I land too. Like, I think the most telling thing was, and a lot of this is coach speak, but asked last week before the game, is Jalen Rieger ready to play or does he need more time to learn this offense? Kevin O'Connell said, no, he's ready to go. And then his, I think he had like, I, I don't even know how many snaps he had on offense last, last week, but you didn't notice him because he was hardly on the field. Um, it, there are going to be points in time where I think Jalen Rieger will catch a ball, will be utilized. Maybe there's a play that uses his speed, um, but it, it, it's not going to be a focal point of this offense. He's not going to be involved. There's too many people that he has to supersede uh, to, to be a part of this offense on a regular basis. You mentioned, obviously, Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, a guy like Irv Smith. Uh, it's going to take a lot for Rieger to break through there. He's going to have to make his impact as a returner and 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 make the most of his his cameos on offense but i i think there's no chance he, he's a, he's a big hitter in this offense at any point this season i do appreciate the question this week of all weeks though obviously like rieger you know we've talked about many times uh the eagles and i think the philly franchise and the fans kind of realizing the mistake that was made when rieger was drafted one spot ahead of justin jefferson and now you know rieger gets dealt away this offseason and and now he's making his return here just in week two. And I'm sure he'd love to make a big impact. I just don't know how likely that will be. I think it'd be funny, though. Like, we talk about Kevin O'Connell putting these players in positions that they feel comfortable and they feel excited. If there was, like, two plays that they, they've drawn up in practice this week, maybe it's a flea flicker. I don't know. Like, maybe it's something with so much misdirection where the beneficiary of that person, like this play is schemed to get Jalen Rieger open it would be spectacular if 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 they schemed up a way to get him a deep touchdown and Jalen Rieger just got to rub it in Philly's face because that poor guy I think I texted you when he first got to Minnesota like Jalen Rieger is my favorite player on the Vikings this this season and you're like why one because it's such a random occurrence that he's here like that so much has been made about the the, the clip of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer literally laughing at, at the Eagles front office for drafting Rieger over Jefferson. Uh, but also just how mean people were to Jalen Rieger on his way out of Philly. Like I get it. Like 
Philly would love to have Justin Jefferson there, but they were so mean to him. Uh, it would be cool to see him succeed. Maybe there's a little revenge game here. I don't think that's likely, but I would love it if Kevin O'Connell drew up a couple plays backyard football style. Let's get Jalen a touchdown. Um, we'll see that that might be getting too cute. You got to win the game first. Um, but it, it'd be something that'd be fun to see. And, uh, when I tweeted out the, Oh, now the Vikings have a punt returner and he goes, fans are like, no, they do not. Um, <laughs> One one person came into my DMs and was like, you just watch. Like, it was an Eagles fan. He's like, you just watch. Like, Rieger Week 2 is going to return a punt for a touchdown against us, and it's going to be so embarrassing. <laughs> and, yeah, it would be. Uh, that That's more likely is if he's going to make a big impact play, it's going You're to right. be um, in the punt return game. But what's more likely? Like, I've been in Philadelphia. I was there for the NFC title game. It It's pretty, like, ruthless, a little relentless there. I bet he's getting, like, yelled at from the sidelines and whatnot. So it's more likely he comes back in with the touchdown or he muffs a punt. I think that might be more likely outcome in this game. Wow. No, I think you're right. <laughs> you might be right. Uh, I, didn't wanna, I hope I you're mean, wrong. I hope you're wrong. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, hey, if he can rise up and succeed here, that'd be an awesome moment for him. But that's a really tough atmosphere there. Um, experiencing it firsthand, it's it's brutal. Um. Like they were like hammering on the press box, yelling at Vikings reporters to go home. Uh, it was. It, we remember was, what they did to 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 poor ninety nine year old Millie. Like yeah, they did that the to Eagles Millie. Eagles fans are, are ruthless. What do you think they're gonna do to Rieger? Millie didn't do oh anything my. to him. Rieger tormented them with poor play. Oh my god! All right, next question uh, from our good friend Eric Krauser. Uh, the Vikings will have to pay close attention to Jalen Hurts' running ability. It seems that spy role may fall to Jordan Hicks, who statistically graded out well last week, but struggled IMO and lateral coverage. How much does Hurts versus Hicks worry you? Is Kendricks a better fit? I'll start with this one. I like Kendricks has spied in the past from Minnesota on a few occasions, and I just think it's something where, yes, Eric Kendricks is a better in pass coverage. Um, I, I, I like him so much better than Hicks in that role. So instantly your thought is, okay, Hicks spies. Uh, but I don't worry too much about, like, yes, Dallas Goddard's a legitimate tight end threat, but Jalen Hurts is so much of, like, a one-read-and-dart kind of guy. Uh, I think he dropped back 43 times last week, sacked once, 32 passes. That means he scrambled 10 times, and that is such a huge part of their offense. That would be my number one. How do we limit that? Um, and then we'll take everything else. So I'm not worried about losing Eric Kendricks in coverage. I'm saying, who is our best spy? And I think it's Eric Kendricks just because of the way he he just sees the game. Like, he is somebody who I don't think would get lost in that role. He knows how to time things. He would know when it's time to just come dart um, and and come right at Jalen Hurts, I think, when, when Hurts is floating around in, in the pocket. Like, I would take your best player or one of your best defensive players and say, you negate this. Um, and I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to scan the field enough to find Hicks in the bad matchups. So I, I would just say, okay, we're going to take our best player and go against my primary worry, which is Hurts taking off. That's where I land with this too. Like you, you look at who's, who's better sideline to sideline. I think it's Eric Kendricks. And I think his, his ability, his instincts, and this is taking nothing away from Jordan Hicks. I just think Eric Kendricks is a little bit better at that than the other guy. So I think if we've talked about how inaccurate Jalen Hurts is, how frantic he can be at times with the ball, I, I think you, you you tell Eric, don't lose Jalen Hurts. You, you tell the defense, get after him, try and get home. And if he breaks contain, Eric Kendricks will be there spying. I think if you can do those things with success, you can make Jalen Hurts uncomfortable. We saw what happened last week when Aaron Rodgers was uncomfortable. If you can make Jalen Hurts uncomfortable, you're going to have a good day. I think part of making him uncomfortable is telling Eric Kendricks, do not lose him. We'll take whatever we can get. 
or whatever happens outside of that, just don't lose him. You're you're the guy. Eyes on him. We'll ask Ed Donatello about that tomorrow. I would venture to guess he's going to say something pretty similar. All right. Sean also asked a question about spine, but since we covered that, we'll go to Sean's second question. How worried should we be about Fletcher Cox wreaking our interior O-line and our offensive game plan? Seems like they held their own versus Kenny Clark. So I do think, just to start with the Kenny Clark thing, yes, Kenny Clark did not like wreck the Vikings' day. But he definitely limited their success. We saw, like, and we mentioned this, like, they were like a third and two player. I remember Kenny Clark just bolted through and and forced Kirk to kind of throw the ball away and ended that drive. Uh, and then on the inside, uh, you know, Green Bay gets the interior pressure, hits Kirk Cousins' arm as he's letting it go. Justin Jefferson still makes the catch. But, like, there were enough little drives in there where the interior pressure did wreck the drive. But it's just not a focal point when the team's up 20 to 7, when the team's mm-hmm. up 20 to nothing. Like the Vikings scored 23 points. Uh, it was it was not like this ultimate explosion. Um, sometimes they move the ball and left money on the table. And so often it was because of like an interior pass rush. You can forgive that when your team is controlling the game. But if Green Bay has a normal offensive day and it's like, you know, 20 to 20, I think you're looking at that like the interior offensive line can't pass block. Um, you know, I, I think it would have been so much more noticeable if Green Bay was scoring points and Minnesota had to as well. They just didn't have to. It felt like Minnesota was in control. So a third and two where you threw the ball away because there was interior pressure, the thought more was like, all right, that's fine. Minnesota's still in control. doesn't matter. So it wasn't as highlighted. But Kenny Clark really did, I think, kind of control that game. Uh, maybe not so much more so with sacks because Kirk was able to get the ball away. But uh, he was a massive part in limiting Minnesota to just the 23 points. Yeah. Fletcher Cox worries me as well, as does Jordan Davis a little bit. I think right. he's, he you're going to see him more. Yeah. You're going to see him start to rotate in or maybe not even rotate. Maybe just side be a part side. of that, of the, that, that tandem up front. Fletcher Cox has, has been a dynamic defensive tackle in this league for the, you know, more, the better part of a decade. Jordan Davis, we've seen clips of him. Like we we've we haven't we don't know a ton about Jordan Davis, but there's clips of him in training camp where he's just bench pressing whoever it is in front of him. I wouldn't love to be Garrett Bradbury this week. I wouldn't love to be Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram. Uh, I think when those PFF grades come out Tuesday morning, we're gonna see like, okay, how good of pass blockers are these guys? Because I think the, the, the interior pressure from the Eagles is going to be a, another test that we, we've talked about. There's a ton of tests that they're going to see on Monday. Um, that's one of the biggest ones. How, how do they hold up against guys like Fletcher Cox and, and, and guys like rookie Jer- Jordan Davis? Yeah. I mean, Jordan Davis was their third highest graded player on PFF last week. So like if he does indeed see the field more, uh, he could wreak havoc too. Like we might be talking about Fletcher Cox and it really might be Jordan Davis. Who's like, it could be a coming out party for him against this interior offensive line. So it's another week where they're going to have to game plan for it heavily. Um, they're going to say, okay, say they do get through. How can we provide as much help? Who do we double all these types of things? They did an okay job against Clark where Clark didn't like wreck the game plan, but he still affected it. Uh, so I think yet again, uh, that is literally the matchup to watch. Sure. And then our, our last question, it was from an emailer. Again, really appreciate everyone who, who responded, reached out. We'll do these mailbags, maybe weekly, maybe biweekly, um, but love to get kind of the interaction um, with the fans. Um, just a simple email question. Do you see Eric Smith Jr. getting more involved in the game plan this week? I do, but I also think that it was interesting when asked about the tight ends this week, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell basically talked about how Irv Smith and Johnny Munt will be used situationally, game by game. Who do we think gives us a better uh, opportunity to succeed? Last week, Kevin O'Connell claims that that was Johnny Munt. 
He claims that it wasn't because Irv Smith was working his way back from a thumb injury throughout training camp. I don't know if I believe that. I think Irv Smith at some point will take over that that primary pass catching role for for Johnny Munt. Um, it is interesting that that he Johnny Munt played so much in Week One. I just think Irv Smith's talent will rise above that at some point. I, I think he's a better football player. I think he's more dynamic. I think he gives you more options in the passing game. So yes, long-windedly, I, I do think he'll be more involved in in the passing game moving forward. Um, it's hard for him to be less involved than he was in week one. I think Ben Ellison outsnapped him. So it's only going to go up from here for Irv Smith Jr. If you bought a lot of Irv Smith Jr. stock in, in fantasy, tried to kind of hit on someone late with the sleeper, I wouldn't sell that stock. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. I, I actually would sell it. Um, I don't know how much the Vikings will use the tight end, period. Uh, but Irv Smith last week, what was interesting was Munt outsnaps him 40 to 19. Um, Irv Smith only ran one fewer route. Like the 19 routes he was, the 19 snaps he had on the field, he ran 15 routes. Like it was all passing plays. I don't know how much he's going to be on the field for rushing plays. Um, that'll be interesting to see if that progresses or not, or if he literally is just kind of become that, hey, it's third down. Uh, once put Irv Smith on the field kind of guy. Uh, I just think there's, so like, yeah, he'll be more involved. His his role is going to grow. Like, it, you know, missing a lot of camp obviously is a big thing. But I mentioned this before the season, I think. I don't know how much of exactly of a role he's going to have in this offense. He looks like a great weapon, but I don't know how much they're going to feature the tight end here. Um, So more, but not a lot in my, is kind of my thought. Um, Let's get into our purple prop party. Uh, First, we'll do one prop each of us like heading into this Monday night game before doing our picks to wrap up the show. Dan, you go first. So we, we couldn't use DraftKings because they're, they're, they're not posted yet. Yeah, so, the Monday night game is makes things a little difficult for a Thursday morning show. Yeah, so you're going to have to to stew on that and, and wonder what we would have picked in DraftKings. But we did we went with prize picks. It's another fun um, little over-under app. And, and, and the prize picks had a, had a handful of props on there. Mine is Justin Jefferson, 95 and a half receiving yards. I'm going over. How's he going to get to 2000 Jace if he can't go over 95 and a half against the Eagles? Um, it's going to be tough. I think Amon Ross St. Brown, it was proof last week that there are going to be openings on, on this offense. Amon Ross St. Brown with the lions last week had a pretty big game. He did not go over 95 and a half yards. I think Justin Jefferson is better. Um, I think I'm going to stick to my commitment of the bit that he's going to hit 2000 this year. And in order to do that, you have to basically get over a hundred almost every game. Um, I don't think anyone can stop Justin Jefferson. I think there's Slay may be able to slow him down. I don't know if he's going for 184, um, but I think he will eclipse 100. Yeah, um, just keep riding the Justin Jefferson train to victories. The um, jet, the Justin Jefferson jet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I was wrong last week. I had the under on 16 and a half carries for Cook. He went over. Got to 20 carries. I did not expect Minnesota to be leading by three scores for much of the game. Um, <laughs> that is not a good that is not a good game script for rushing attempts. Um, if you hit the under on that, I'm going over with an Eagles player, Miles Sanders, 47 and a half yards after he went for not 117 but 96 uh, in last week. <laughs> I, I think 47 and a half. He'll still be a feature part of this offense. I expect the Eagles to have success in the running game with that offensive line. I still think that's a concern for Minnesota. I'm not saying Sanders is going to have a career day, but 47 and a half is a pretty low line uh, for somebody who's going to lead the team in rushing touches or at least compete with Jalen Hurts for that honor. So Sanders goes over that, at least gets to like 60. Um, if he gets 12, 13, 14 touches, I think going over 47 and a half will be pretty easy work. Um, but if the Vikings get up 17-0, that's also going to lose. So we'll see. 
Uh, let's get into the picks for the game. Over under for this game, 50 and a half points. Vikings are two point underdogs heading into Philadelphia. That tells you it's pretty close to even with the game being in Philly. Um, Gain, where are you at with this one? I'll take the over. I take the Vikings. I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. Score predictions are always random, uh, but I think the Vikings can get to 35 points this week. They got to 17 in the first half last week against the Packers. I think this is going to be a pinball game. I don't see the offense stalling out quite as much as it did in, in, in the second half of week one. I'll take Vikings 35, Eagles 28. We'll see what happens. Okay. I'm going Eagles 28, 27. Um, mm-hmm. Two weeks in a row where Dane picks the Vikings to win and I pick them to lose. Which it might be a common trend this, this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and Dane obviously won in L. I'm on one. Uh, not my greatest picks week last week. But I, I, I think, like, look, going on the road is a different animal. Philly is a very close caliber team. Dane actually picked Philly ahead of Minnesota in his power rankings. I picked Philly below Minnesota, and we're picking opposite results now in a game in Philly. Uh, I, I think Minnesota is like goes toe to toe with Philly as far as like even strength teams. Um, but we can't discount the fact that like Minnesota played at home last week and now they're going into Philly in a raucous environment on Monday night. Hey, this is it, right? Like if Kirk cousins comes out and plays well on Monday night, um, against, uh, against a tough opponent, um, in a, in a raucous atmosphere, like, okay, like the defense it's plays well, fixed. then, then like Kirk's fixed. The defense is great. Like I, I will come out and just sing this team's praises. I think that's a tough game to ask to win. If they lose 28, 27, I think I'd feel pretty good about Kirk cousins moving forward. Uh, but I think Philly's offensive line is so much better than what Green Bay put out last week that Minnesota's defense, I think, is probably going to come back down to earth a little bit. It's just a good Philly offense. So, like, there aren't many defenses that could do it. Um, I think this is going to be the week where we realize, okay, Minnesota's defense might be okay, but it's not awesome. Um, that's what I think this is going to play out, and uh, we'll see who makes the key plays like to win this one. Yeah, either way, you know, it'll be exciting to watch. And and let's follow along on our, on our picks this year. I'm one and zero. You're zero and one. In maybe both we'll, uh, Yeah, maybe we'll put put a little uh, a little wager. Um, anyone that used to follow our old podcast knew we used to do a beer dump for for the loser. Had to dump a beer on their head. So maybe we'll maybe we'll throw that in there um, for for this season at some point. Probably not though. We're picking something else. <laughs> I'm sick of doing that. Uh, Anyway, uh, this will be an interesting game. Like, I think the winner of this one will feel like they are a legitimate, like, top-end contender in the NFC. Um, and the loser will kind of, like, feel like a team that's heading back more towards the middle of the pack. Like, it's one game at early in the season. So much can be drawn from that. Uh, we'll be back late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. One of those two, uh, you will find this podcast inside purple and gold podcast breaking down all the action subscribe like follow to make sure that that is going right to your phone on your favorite podcast platform for dame Mizutani, this has been jace frederick inside purple and gold thanks so much for listening goodbye Twenty four hundred sports is an odyssey company 